everyone. Jody Heiss here with you, bringing you another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Welcome aboard. So glad to have you joining us today. And of course, the coronavirus continues to be the news of the day, sucking all the oxygen out of every newsroom and quite frankly, out of every living room across the country, as it is the major issue of concern all across this country. We are in the first week of April, and of course, this begins 30 days to stop the spread. And so we are in the midst of a a crisis from which we are getting advice from medical experts, and that information is driving the decisions, rightfully so right now, as to what's taking place. But this virus is impacting us on two fronts. Obviously, the health issue concerning our nation, but also the economy and the impacts that are taking place on that front. Um, Joining us today is an individual who, frankly, is uniquely equipped and qualified to address this issue. Dr. Jeff Collier is both a surgeon and a statesman. He is the 47th president, uh, excuse me, 47th governor of the great state of Kansas. And so he, he, he brings to this whole argument the political side of things, the knowledge of the economic side of things, but as a doctor who is still actively involved in medicine in Kansas, he obviously is able to bring that. Now, what is so powerful about Dr. Collier, last week he and a colleague penned a, an op-ed, in fact, an op-ed that Rush Limbaugh read word for word on his program last Wednesday. It ran in the Wall Street Journal. It was entitled, These Drugs Are Helping Our Coronavirus Patients. The evidence is preliminary on repurposing two treatments, but we don't have the luxury of time. He, of course, is referring to the two drugs that the FDA uh, has approved to be utilized right now. So he has become a leading voice on this on every issue as it relates to the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So Dr. Collier, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on the Freedom Caucus podcast. We're extremely honored to have you here with us. You know, Jody, it's great to be with you. And it's so important that we get good information out to people. And I appreciate, you know, all of your hard work uh, in doing this. I just wish we didn't have to be talking about this topic. Yeah, it's amazing how how rapidly this thing has come upon our country and the world for that matter and the impact not only from a health perspective but from an economic perspective and you know that's been one of the things that I personally have been talking about all along. We've we've got to be able to thread the needle between addressing the health issue of the coronavirus while at the same time addressing the economic ramifications that it's having in our country. And the way to do that, the the way we deal with the economy is to address the problem. And the uh, op-ed that you you came out with last week, uh, let's talk about these two drugs that are having an enormous impact. What are the drugs? What kind of impact are we seeing uh, on a positive side of things as it's relating to the uh, coronavirus? You know, yeah, it's a really frustrating and and scary time but you know while it seems like we're looking forward into doom one of these days we're going to look backwards in awe at all of the things that americans are doing together to beat this and we are going to win 
but it's going to be a tough fight. One of those ways of fighting right now is we discovered two medications called hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin or a Z-pack. Hydroxychloroquine is a drug that's been used in the United States since 1955. It was first used to prevent malaria and treat malaria in Vietnam. It is also used uh, commonly for people with arthritis and lupus, uh, immunological diseases. And there were some CDC studies a few years ago that found that it actually inhibited and killed the virus uh, in lab studies. And in China, uh, there was a doctor there who had 80 patients who were on this medication, and none of them came down with the virus. So that raised a lot them. of eyebrows for us. And now we're using it here in the United States. The FDA has now approved it after we've had two uh, op-eds that have been out uh, discussing the evidence on it. And I think it's something that we need to look very hard at, but is looking promising. Now, where is it currently being used? So uh, right now, there uh, are people using this around the world. There is a very big study going on in France and here in the United States. So many major medical centers, Mass General, the University of Washington, uh, the University of Kansas, and many private practitioners use hydroxychloroquine uh, for patients that have uh, been tested positive for the coronavirus and are having symptoms. What's, uh, there's two ways of using it. There's one in, in the early stages, which is most of the data right now suggests, and, and you should think of this just like cancer. You treat it early, you do better. Um, there's some, a lot of data that suggests the earlier you use it, the better results you have uh, with it. And we have about six different studies uh, from around the world, and there are ongoing studies here in the United States. And what we're doing is we're actually watching, we're watching science in real time. And there are going to be steps forwards and backwards. But uh, these Remarkable. drugs, yeah. It really is. So are, are the results being globally pretty much the same? I mean, I heard about the 80 in China. Are, are other parts of the world seeing the same positive results? Yeah. So in France, there was a study that was released a week ago uh, where 78 patients who were hospitalized were sick, uh, were treated uh, with this combination. And uh, of them, all but two uh, went home with went home much faster, did not go on to a ventilator. There were two people, one who was already on a ventilator and a, a very old patient who was very, very sick when they came in that passed away. Uh, but those were very promising results. There's now a Chinese study that was just released this week where they had 62 patients, then half of them they put with the medication and half without. Those with the medication, uh, those who received the medication, did better, shorter time uh, to feeling better, less cough, less viral load, and uh, fewer uh, people requiring to go on into the hospital or on a ventilator. So that was the placebo test, and actually there, there was obviously a, a, a huge difference with the medication. There was a big difference with, between the two, um, but it's also a small study, 30, right. you know, 30 on each side, but 
this is this is important step. Uh, it's really the first controlled study, and you know we may find instances where this isn't the appropriate combination, or it may you know it may not be for every patient, and that's what we're learning. Uh, but we've got to learn fast. We got to learn fast. Exactly. Uh, that's the that's the way to cure the economy is to remove exactly. the fear that people have from going to work, getting out in public, and you remove the fear by coming up with something that helps address the, the problem if you're going to get it. And uh, this is an enormous step forward. Now, in addition to the medication, we, of course, have had a huge push across the country to the point of shutting our country down virtually for social distancing. Uh, how important is social distancing as it relates to the spread of the coronavirus? And is it helping? Do we have that kind of information? Yes, it does make a big difference uh, for us. I've worked in about 30 different war zones and in dozens of epidemics uh, in places like Syria, Afghanistan, uh, the Rwandan genocide. And the social distancing part is important because you want to slow down the number of people that get infected. And this is one where uh, the virus can be carried through cough, through touch. Uh, and so it's important to have that, what we call social distancing now. And that, that slows down the spread so that we can isolate and treat the people who are sick uh, with this. I'm hopeful that uh, we can get a vaccine uh, sooner rather than later uh, that could be very helpful for us. And that's what will help us in the long run. Well, absolutely. It'll help in the long run. In fact, that's a uh, that's a great question. We're hearing a lot that this virus could be around for a long time. And uh, so so what do we do for the next several months? Uh, obviously, having a vaccine would dramatically impact uh, where where our country goes with this over the next few months. But uh, what can we expect over the next few months and how would that be impacted by a vaccine and what kind of time frame are we looking at? for a vaccine to be available? So um, let me answer both of those questions for you. You know, we've seen a lot of, you know, those reports where you just see this great big high pitched curve and lots of people die in the space of six, eight weeks. When I say lots of people, millions of people, two million people, by the efforts that the president, the governors and local, you know, people have done, we've cut that risk down tremendously. We're still talking a huge death toll. We're still talking 100 to 200,000 people. But what's most likely by the social distancing that we've done, that as the summer comes along, many people believe that the virus will uh, still be in the environment, will still have deaths, but it will slow down. And the big thing is we get smarter. That's who we are. And so over the next few weeks, we get this to come down. We figure out new ways to work, new ways to be on that factory line. What kind of protection do we need? And so I really kind of see it as two major humps or maybe even a few ping pong ball bounces. Think of it that way uh, as different states um, come online here. But the idea is that if we can get things under control here early in the spring, 
get on through the summer. We're going to modify how we work. That's it's just going to happen. And then hopefully uh, later on, you know, the end of the year, um, we might have an option for a vaccine. Uh, I've talked to a lot of vaccine companies. I'm actually working with one. Um, and there is a great there are a number of fantastic technologies that are out there. And I think, you know, that policy of all of the above, we need to go and chase several of these different vaccines so we can get people vaccinated and get them back to work. So you think uh, that could actually happen by the end of the year? You know, there are some people that think we can. I've seen some models of doing that. The traditional thought is they take three or four years. Then there's more data that says, you know, we're going to rush everything, get 18 months. And this is also kind of a Manhattan project. And if you can manufacture the vaccine at the same time that you test it, um, that gives you some lead time. But you probably have to have three or four companies making vaccines uh, at the same time and testing vaccines to get the best one or to get enough coverage. Those sorts of things would shorten uh, the time to actually get Americans protected. Wow. Well, while you were serving as lieutenant governor and governor of the state of Kansas, uh, one of your primary focuses was actually on rural health care. And, and of course, now uh, you find yourself in an incredibly important position uh, on the National Advisory Commission on Rural Health Care. One of the, the main focuses of that and, and much of my personal district, the 10th District of Georgia, is rural. And I know the importance of the, the telehealth uh, care. Tell us a little bit about, walk us through about telehealth and how that can be a major part of help for people, uh, particularly right now with this pandemic. So overall, I think we have great doctors, 1,350 critical access hospitals in rural America. There's about 60 million Americans that live in, in rural America. And this is a place where we actually could have some pretty rapid transformation. And you're going to see that happening right now. Um, telehealth is one of the big ones. Telehealth, where you can actually talk to your doctor and their nurse um, and maybe even a specialist you know, through the comfort of your home, or you might be able to go to a rural center and then be able to talk to a specialist uh, that might be in Texas or New York or Kansas. Um, and those technologies are rapidly being adopted right now. Um, what those technologies can do is actually can make medicine a little more affordable and help us get better care. And the other thing I think it does is I think it values people's time better so that you don't have to wait for hours in the doctor's office. I think we'd all be happier with that. Well, and another thing, uh, just thinking off the top of my head here, it helps with uh, not putting so many doctors and nurses and uh, medical professionals on the front line of potential risk since that's going through the telemed. And one of the big issues, of course, we're having right now is the PPEs, the personal protective equipment um, is it is it normal for us to have shortages of masks and gowns and all these different things in the healthcare industry? And uh, when do you anticipate that we're going to see that particular issue resolved? You know, in normal times in the United States, you know, we typically have plenty of PPE, uh, personal protective equipment, as you call it. Um, 
and every hospital probably has you know a few weeks worth for normal operations uh, here i've worked in 30 conflict zones and every disaster that's mass like this there comes a time at the you know right after the beginning when you run out of resources and this is a common one uh, that happens i think people are mobilizing very quickly uh, here in america um, they're mobilizing to manufacture more here in the United States. Um, you know, I, I'm excited about that. Um, there's been multiple efforts by every governor, by major corporations, and by the federal government to obtain more from foreign sources, uh, where these are manufactured uh, largely in Asia uh, and some in Europe as well, and obtaining those. The Prices have go up because there's lots of demand and little supply, uh, but lots of people are coming online with additional equipment. So what we have to do in the short run is improvise how you use it. Can you reuse it? How do you re-sterilize it? Uh, can you shift who needs which kind of equipment? So not everybody at home needs an N95 mask, but those doctors on the front lines do. Or converting mop gear, you know, those M40 gas masks uh, that you've seen, those are actually a biological uh, protection. Uh, you could even use those, even though they look scary for frontline uh, providers. So we have options and people are using all of those options uh, right now. And we're gonna see some shortages, but I think give it a few weeks and the power of America and the American economy uh, will produce a large amount and hopefully we'll be swimming in, in this before too long. I certainly hope you're right. Dr. Jeff Collier, what a great honor to have you on the program. As a parting word, and we've got about two minutes left. Uh, what, what would be your parting word to our viewers, our listeners? Obviously, we've got to stay vigilant, but if they have symptoms, I guess part of it, what are the symptoms? Uh, what what would one expect if they are coming down with the coronavirus? But uh, what should be their first step of action if they do have some of those symptoms? Sure. Um, so when you're in a rural community, um, you know who your doctor is, or you may not. Uh, it may be a ways away. But the symptoms that are common are fatigue. You feel incredibly tired. Um, maybe a fever, but not everybody has a fever. A new cough that um, may be kind of a more drier cough, but uh, that varies quite a bit, or shortness of breath. Those are the most common things. If you have those symptoms, what I would suggest is you call your doctor or call the emergency room. Don't drive there. Call them first. Talk to them. Uh, what they'll do, and it, it actually sometimes it may take a little bit to get all the way through, but what they'll do is they'll look at your medical situation individually and direct you do we need to get you tested now here's what we believe is the closest place to get tested maybe we need to have you come into the emergency room because you have you know a significant medical problem but if you are they want to guide you how you get through there so that you don't contaminate all of the other patients there so talking to the hospital or talk to your provider is really the best thing to do uh, with it and you know and just be calm and straightforward 
things that you can do at home, lots of fluids. Um, Tylenol appears to help with fevers uh, with this and seem, um, and those are kind of the two mainstays, you know, for right now for getting through at home. Uh, you can talk to your doctor if you test positive about the options of hydroxychloroquine and a Z-Pack, uh, and you and your doctor can uh, work that out and, you know, what is appropriate for you. Great so, advice. You know, so, but I'll tell you what, the last thing, though, is we are Americans. We're all in this together. We're going to come out of this stronger. It's going to be a tough road, and there's going to be a lot of twists and turns. So I ask for your prayers, pray for our country, and pray for ourselves. Absolutely. Dr. Jeff Carrier, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, folks, that's all the time we have today. So thank you, all of you, for joining us. We'd encourage you, I know you liked this and got a lot out of the program today. We'd encourage you to, to uh, rate, subscribe, review to this program. You can do so on iTunes or SoundCloud. And we'd encourage you also to share it with other people. You can always find out more about the Freedom Caucus on Facebook at facebook.com slash Caucus. And you can follow us on Twitter simply at Freedom Caucus. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Until next, day, next time, stay healthy, have a fantastic remainder of your day, and we'll be with you next time.